Welcome to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast, a podcast providing in-depth analysis and coverage of your favorite Milwaukee Brewers by Peter and David Go. Welcome to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. I'm your host, Peter Go, alongside David here. Another great week for the Brewers. Uh, Bucks, obviously, seeing themselves in the NBA Finals. So good day, good week to be a Wisconsin sports fan, David. Uh, what are your thoughts today as we uh, enter a, another episode today? Yeah, it might be the best week to be a Wisconsin sports fan that we've seen in a long time. Uh, the, the Bucks going to the Finals, their first trip there in, in 47 years. So not something that happens very often. Of course, the Brewers have only won the pennant one time, and that was almost 40 years ago. Brewers also ended up having a, an 11-game win streak, came to a, an end on Sunday, but still a wildly successful week, uh, an excellent week to be a Wisconsin sports fan. Yeah, like you said, of course, Bucks make it to the finals. That's a huge deal. Plus, Brewers, pretty fun week. Uh, good series against the Cubs. A good team to kind of beat up on in those you know interesting games. We had that 10-run inning, which was pretty crazy, in a 4-4 game late in the game. And then, of course, the game three of the series where they came back from down 7 nothing in the first, come back and take the series finale against the Cubs and able to sweep the Cubs and really distance themselves in the central. And I know we've been playing weaker teams the last month. We've been talking about that kind of through this uh, good stretch that the Brewers have had. But the reality is the Brewers are atop the NL Central. Uh, pretty much a lock that they will be at the break here. Now up seven games here as we sit uh, recording this. Monday morning here uh, up on the Reds and 10 against the Cardinals, who, of course, were uh, the favorites by many in the Central. So they really have distanced themselves. And even if we do see a, a tougher schedule ahead, um, we have built up a very sturdy lead that should hold them out. And hopefully Brewers able to hold on to the Central and, and make a playoff berth. That goes right into our trivia question today. How many times have the Brewers won 11 or more straight games in the regular season uh, prior to the streak uh, so not including this one streak that just wrapped up on Sunday. How many times have the Brewers won 11 or more consecutive games all in the regular season? So we're going to have that answer at the end of the podcast. We'll see if Peter will be able to successfully answer it. Uh, I think it's it's doable. We'll see about that. And there's, of course, the one obvious choice. But uh, are there more? How many more were there? We will We will be able to tell you that at the end. Today's random player of the day is Jake Cousins, a current member of the Brewers bullpen. He's been pretty good so far, six and a third innings, 11 strikeouts. He hasn't allowed a run yet. He's looked really good with that sinker slider combination that he's got. And he actually was picked up out of independent ball, originally drafted by the Nationals. He is, by the way, a cousin of Kirk Cousins, the, the quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, but he played his baseball at Penn, the Ivy League institution, ended up being drafted by the Nationals, played a couple of years in their organization went and played some independent ball when he got released. Brewers picked him up after a 2020 season that he pitched for the Chicago Dogs of the American Association. Uh, they were big rivals of the Milwaukee Milkmen who played their home games in Franklin. And then he was very successful in AA uh, with three ERA over eight games. And then in AAA again, 2.08 ERA over eight and two thirds innings. Brewers decided to call him up and he's been excellent so far. Uh, he actually set the record for most strikeouts in a relief appearance 
under three innings in a major league debut. I know there are a lot of qualifications there, but he struck out five in two innings. And that was very impressive in his major league debut. So Jake Cousins, today's random player of the day, got an interesting path to the big leagues, but he's made it now at the age of, I think he's 26 or 27. So it's been great to see him. Miguel Sanchez, another member of the bullpen, who has stepped up and had kind of a unique path to the big leagues as well, a little bit older. Jake Cousins is the guy that we are featuring on today's episode. Yeah, Cousins has been excellent. And, and actually, we're going to talk a little bit later on the episode about Cousins and Sanchez and the Brewers bullpen, which has been solid. We've, we talked about potentially that being a liability after the fire rising and Rasmussen departure. But we see those guys really filling in and holding up those roles quite well. Um, and of course, and it doesn't hurt to also have some big leads that we've had over the last couple of weeks. And, and maybe that'll even play into giving some of those younger relievers or less experienced relievers some needed confidence right now. And then when we get to closer games late in the season, important games, they're going to be ready to perform. So certainly if Cousins and, and Sanchez can step into some, you know, more serious uh, roles in the bullpen, would go a long way with the Brewers and adding depth. So like I said, we'll, we'll be talking about that a little bit later. But before we even get to that, uh, first got to talk about the All-Star Game uh, roster, which was announced. Brewers having three representatives, uh, all, of course, pitchers, Corbin Burns, Josh Hader, and Brandon Woodruff. Not sure that any of those three were, were too much of a shock. I know Hader and Woodruff were effectively a lock. Uh, but I think the bigger news is the fact that Omar Narvaez and Freddy Peralta, uh, neither of them being selected to the All-Star Game. Now, granted, they could be selected as replacements, but up to this point, neither of those players uh, representing the Brewers in the All-Star Game this year. And I really thought Brewers had a pretty good chance of, uh, of, of having five All-Stars and so, David, what were your thoughts on Narvaez and Peralta? Were they snubbed? Did they deserve to be in the All-Star game, or what did you think? I think especially when you look at Narvaez, he was snubbed uh, as far as the All-Star berth goes. Peralta, it's a little bit more difficult because the starting uh, the starting pitchers in the National League have been so good this year. You look at com the combined stats of the starting staff for the All-Stars, and I think their collective ERA is about 2.2. Uh, got like a strikeouts per nine over 10. They've been outstanding, the, the NL starting pitching as a whole, especially the top tier of guys. And even that was kind of thrown off by Herman Marquez, who is the lone Rockies representative with a 3.62 ERA. Uh, maybe not so deserving. Um, maybe that's something we could talk about. Do you think that the, uh, the MLB should abolish the one player per team minimum for the All-Star game? I feel like it's kind of unfair to have guys who aren't really deserving make the all-star team when there are other guys who are deserving, even though your team is bad, you shouldn't be an all-star, then you shouldn't be an all-star. Yeah, I would, I would generally agree. You know, the all-star team should be a pool of players that have played the best for the first half of the season. So yeah, could Freddie Peralta or should Freddie Peralta be there instead of Marquez? He should be. And so if you're thinking about Freddie Peralta's perspective, you've got a guy who hasn't performed as well in that spot simply because he's on a worse team. So I, I agree. I guess I get the rule. I understand why they, why they do it. Um, they're always, there's always that one guy on, it seems like on every either one year in the NL or in the AL kind of that ra one random player that sneaks in as an all-star who had a decent first half on a bad team. So yeah, I don't know if it's the biggest problem in baseball, but if you're Friday, disappointing, I mean, you talked about, 2.2 ERA and, and the strikeout per nine over 10. Peralta fits both of those. 
with a, a 12.48 strikeout per nine, seven and three record and a, a 2.23 ERA. So he's been outstanding definitely. And I definitely hope that he is selected as uh, a, an all-star game um, substitution, I'm assuming that there will be a couple couple pitchers either with injuries or that start too close to the all-star game that they'll need to bring in a replacement. So I wouldn't be surprised if Narvaez and or Peralta uh, get in, but likely Peralta, given that he's a pitcher. So Narvaez, like you said, I think there were a, a fair amount of good catchers, but I do feel for Omar Narvaez, who's had an outstanding bat, bounce back year. Brewers fans couldn't be um, complaining after, of course, what we saw last year. So all things considered, I think as Brewers fans got to be a little disappointed that we did only see three of the potential five All-Stars initially selected. One of the pitchers who is starting, I know, on Sunday, or at least is slated to start on Sunday, is Brandon Woodruff. So that would potentially open up a spot. Might be a logical choice to say, well, Woodruff won't be pitching. Maybe replace him with somebody from his own team. I don't know if that plays into it, but it could. And just having a spot open, I, you'd have to think Peralta is one of the last couple guys uh, that did get snubbed in, in the pitching side. So he probably is one of the first guys who would become a replacement. Looking a little bit more towards Narvaez, though, especially versus JT Realmuto, who was selected as the reserve for the catchers in the National League. Narvaez and Realmuto both had a, a minor injury, similar amount of playing time, but Narvaez, 393 on base, Realmuto, 359. Uh, Narvaez also outpacing him in slugging by 13 points, not a, a wide margin, but there is something to be said about that. Uh, 10 points higher in OPS+. plus. Uh, I know Realmuto has a great defensive reputation, but Narvaez has been excellent defensively as well this year. Narvaez actually leading him on the, the baseball reference war number by half a win. So he's outpacing him by a pretty wide margin. I know Realmuto carries a, a bigger name than Narvaez, and that's probably a reason why he was selected. But at the same time, it, it to me... Narvaez has had the better first half. And also, how many times will Narvaez have an opportunity to make an all-star game? This might be his only time, his only opportunity. Realmuto has made all-star games before, will make the all-star game again, likely. So I think having Narvaez would have been the better option. It is player voted on for the reserves. So Narvaez uh, wasn't necessarily snubbed by like the commissioner's office or anything like that. If the players voted for Realmuto, well, there's nothing that he can do about it. But at the same time, I do think that Narvaez was a more deserving candidate than Realmuto for that backup catcher in the National League. And you talked about how the players select the reserves in the All-Star game. Remind me again how, you know, how does Freddie get into the All-Star game? Who's making the selection on those substitutions? The substitutions would be decided by the commissioner's office. So uh, just another power that Rob Manfred has, I guess. Um, and it used to be selected by the manager of the squad, but then he ended up choosing too many of his own players. So the commissioner took it over and have it, had it that way. How it works is then the, uh, the position player starters are voted on by the fans. And then uh, one reserve at each position is voted on by the players as well as a certain number of pitchers. I think it's something like six starters and three relievers. And then the remaining three or four players are voted on by the, the commissioner's office and those around him, they select who those last couple. And a lot of the time, those are the guys that a team needs a representative. So like this year, we see Yusei Kikuchi, who's having a pretty good year in Seattle, but they needed an all-star. So he's going Gregory Soto of the Tigers, 
Eduardo Escobar running a 290 on base percentage, uh, making the all-star team with Arizona. So there are a number of those. One also questionable selection was Alex Reyes of the Cardinals. It's not like he had to be in there to get his one uh, one one selection per team, but he's walked like 31 batters in 39 innings, and he's kind of just gotten lucky, stranded the runners. Like he's had a pretty good year. He's an ERA around one, but when he's walking that many players, and uh, I think that you should in general give it to a starter who's having a very good year over a reliever who's having a good year. So that was one questionable selection. Uh, I thought that, that kind of stood out to me. But the, the All-Star Game rosters, like we mentioned, were announced on Sunday. And they will be kind of modified over the next week. We always see that. Uh, usually it uh, ends up being like four to five players added on each side. And hopefully Freddie Peralta is one of them. Omar Narvai is a little bit less likely. Uh, but it would be nice to see that as well. Yeah, certainly rooting for that to happen for both Omar Narvaez and Freddie Peralta. You never know, you know, when you're going to be able to get another chance at an all-star berth and just a good experience for both of those guys who really are um, as deserving as it goes, I would say. So we talked about Jake Cousins uh, earlier and even Miguel Sanchez, but I want to take a little bit of time to address, you know, what the Brewers have been able to have, um, the success that they've been able to have in the bullpen. And a lot of that has been some of the newcomers because we have seen Josh Hader continue to be Josh Hader. Um, he's racking up the saves, well over uh, 20 saves now, um, just halfway through this season. But beyond the Brewers' big arms, Jake Cousins has been scoreless through six and a third innings, and Miguel Sanchez also pitching well. Um, either of those two guys that stand out to you or somebody else in the bullpen that you're really looking forward to see what kind of performance they have in the second half of this year? Yeah, Cousins and Sanchez have really impressed me this year. Whenever I see that one of them is pitching, I, I make sure I – I'm watching to see because they've been really fun arms to watch, especially guys that have kind of emerged out of out of nowhere. I am really excited to see Justin Topa, hoping he comes back at some point during the second half. He really impressed in the short stint he had with the team last year. So I'm hoping that he does get an opportunity with the Brewers this year after he comes back from that big uh, elbow injury he suffered in spring training. Another guy I'm hoping that the Brewers give an opportunity to is Luke Barker. Uh, who's I think that the closer for AAA Nashville. Uh, I know he has put up some some big numbers in the minor leagues, got an excellent splitter, and I've kind of been advocating for the Brewers to call him up for a while now. But Sanchez and Cousins are the, the two guys that I've been uh, really, really pleased with and, and excited about in the Brewers' bullpen, and I think they could be stabilizers um, in the bullpen. We, we saw the, those big holes formed by FireEyes and then Rasmussen, and I think those guys are kind of filling them. I think the Brewers have done a good job at filling holes internally, especially when it comes to the bullpen. Over the last couple of years, we saw in their run a few years ago, Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff and Freddie Peralta all stepping up in the bullpen, even Junior Guerra, some too. And those filled the holes to, to create probably the, the best bullpen the Brewers have ever had. Um, even a couple of years ago or, or within the last couple of years, we saw Topa last year, um, even Suter stepping up late in 2019 after being out with Tommy John surgery. So the Brewers have been able to fill those bullpen spots internally pretty well. And Cousins and Sanchez, just another couple pitchers in that line of, uh, of very good uh, relievers that the Brewers have been able to produce at the major league level. Yeah, there must be something the Brewers are doing right because it, it certainly hasn't just been a player or two. You mentioned 
a couple of names and a couple of different scenarios too. I mean, like you said, Suter coming off Tommy John, Corbin Burns, who was that young prospect turned into a uh, high leverage reliever uh, late in that season into the playoffs. And, you know, Brewers have just been able to plug and play for some of those secondary bullpen pieces. And then you've got Josh Hader, who has been, of course, arguably the best reliever in all of baseball over the last couple of years, who's really been that, that cornerstone in the Brewers bullpen. And yeah, I, I do see certainly the Brewers bullpen has not been a liability um, over the last couple of weeks. And like I said, with the run differential that they had over the last couple of weeks, maybe that's uh, part of the reason that we, we see that right now. But I am excited to see uh, certainly Topa come back. Hopefully he looks like he did last year. And then if Cousins and Sanchez can continue to have some success, um, I would be a lot less worried about the Brewers bullpen going into the latter part of the season and even into the playoffs. Do you think that the bullpen is an area that the Brewers should try to add uh, at the deadline? I know we talked a lot about adding at those corner infield positions, but at least over the last month or so, they've been able to fill those. Vogelbach started to pick it up in June before he got hurt, and he should be back at some point in August. Hero has really been swinging the bat since he came back. Looks like the hero of old, uh, which has been a very, very good development. And then Urias has really emerged and become kind of the everyday third baseman to the point where when Shaw comes back, Shaw might be kind of the, uh, the, the lesser guy in a platoon at third base with Urias getting more of the at-bats. Jace Peterson even has uh, an on-base percentage of right around 400 for the year. So he's been really good. Uh, kind of the guys that, that you wouldn't expect, you know, Vogelbach and, and Jace Peterson and guys like that have stepped up in the infield where I don't know if you need to add another infielder at the deadline now. Would a guy like Trevor Story help the club? Of course, but I don't know if he's worth paying the price that that, that would come with um, or even adding a first baseman like CJ Crone from the Rockies or Christian Walker from the D-backs or Colin Moran of the Pirates. How much of an improvement would any of those guys be over, say, Hura or Vogelback when he comes back or even maybe Travis Shaw some at first base? I don't know. Do you think that the bullpen maybe – is the area the Brewers should still beef up? You know, you can never have too much uh, relievers, too too many relievers in the postseason. Yeah, certainly you can't. Yeah, like you said, you can always shuffle around arms, um, throw who's pitching well. Yeah, I think the, the Brewers infield, of course, has looked better. I don't know that I'm confident in that infield yet. They've had a good run right now. Obviously, Adames has been outstanding, and some of those other players that you mentioned also have really picked it up. The big player I'd be looking at is Keston here. I think he's the difference maker in the infield. Of course, he really has to stepped up as well, but I think Keston here is the big decision maker as far as do the Brewers bring in an infield piece. If Keston here is hitting, you know, and I'm not even talking about here putting up 2019-like numbers, but if he starts swinging the bat better, um, then I'm a lot more confident with the Brewers because then you can mix around Vogelback, Shaw, Urias, uh, obviously Adames over at short, and assuming Colton Wong is is playing every day and is able to stay healthy, I'm a lot more comfortable with that infield. But when you when you have a Kesson here who's who's not hitting, I do still think there should be a piece added there. Like you said, does a Trevor Story help the Brewers? Of course he does. Does it make as much sense for the Brewers if their infield's playing better? Not necessarily. Um, so, yeah, I think that's possible they go after a piece or two in the bullpen, but I don't necessarily see them, you know, giving up a lot or, or getting a, you know, big name reliever, more so probably another solid guy or two that's going to be a dependable um, reliever that they can put into a game if they need to. That offense has been a, a big 
question mark, I think leading up to kind of the end of May. But since that Adamas trade on May 22nd, the offense has really picked it up, especially over the last three, four weeks. The Brewers actually have the second most run scored since they acquired Adames across all of Major League Baseball. But yet their weighted runs created plus is still, uh, I think, right around average for the league, right around 15th or 16th. Uh, and they, the offense has been scoring runs, but a lot of the numbers haven't necessarily shown why. Uh, I know Will Salmon of The Athletic kind of examined it, and a big, a big thing that he was pointing to was the base running. Brewers have actually been an excellent base running team. They've been top 10 in stolen bases with a, a success rate right around 75%. You compare that to last year where the whole season they only, I think, stole about 15 bags and they were caught 11 times or something like that. So uh, really not producing anything there, not taking the extra bases. They did add a couple of good base runners, Jackie Bradley Jr., Colton Wong. Jace Peterson's a good base runner as well. Urias has shown that. Adamus is a good base runner. So the Brewers have had those good base runners that they've kind of added over the last year or so. Uh, and that might be why the Brewers have been able to score more runs. I know even having base runners usually can uh, can kind of cause a little bit of, of havoc on the pitcher, having to pay attention to that base runner at, at second base, at third base, uh, in scoring position especially, uh, can create maybe a, a little bit of focus off of the hitter and towards the base runner for the pitcher. The Brewers have been successful doing that. Uh, there, there isn't necessarily much to talk about here, but I just wanted to point that out. The Brewers have been really good at, as far as the base running goes. Even Fangrass says that the Brewers as a team have been top five in the league in base running. So Brewers have been able to kind of turn around what was a weakness last year and turn it into a big strength in the team. Yeah, like you said, it's tough to measure. It's sort of an an eye test sort of thing besides stolen bases. And I'm sure there's more advanced statistics now, like you said, with fan graphs, um, selecting the Brewers in the top five in base running overall. But just watching it as a whole certainly has looked better. Of course, Vogelback's still on the team. I'm not sure how the Brewers can be in the top uh, half uh, in baseball, in base running with Dan Vogelback on the team. But certainly another, Just it's really just another, you know, arrow in the quiver, I guess you could say, um, having good base running. And it certainly doesn't doesn't hurt anybody um, at the plate when, like you said, there's a guy on second base, third base, pitcher's giving him three looks, um, having to maybe throw a few more fastballs, even if you got a good base stealer on base. So it certainly can't help. And the Brewers have been scoring runs, um, like you said, second most runs since the Adames trade. Certainly trade's been looking looking good. Yeah, the offense has really picked it up. And I think, yeah, that base running component is kind of one that goes under the radar. The, the defense has been very good. Even the guys, I think, who haven't really been hitting. You think about Manny Pena as that backup catcher. JBJ, of course, he's actually starting to pick it up with the bat, which has been which has been huge. Gotten some big hits, especially that big hit against the Cubs. But even has been playing better. I think he had a has a six or seven game hitting streak going right now. Um, he's been he's provided excellent defense. Garcia has been been fine out in the outfield. Uh, and and even guys like Urias and, and Adames have been very good with the glove. Colton Wong, when he has been healthy. And that defense and base running component with the pitching, you, you don't really need as much offense. Where at that point, it seems like the Brewers are scoring so many runs, even if they only average four or five runs per game, which is right around the league average. Uh, that kind of the, the components we talked about, the bullpen, and the run prevention, whether it's defense or uh, even tacking on more runs with base running, 
Uh, the Brewers have been playing excellent baseball. That's no surprise, no breaking news to anyone. The Brewers ran an 11-game win streak, have won, I think, around 26 of their last 34 games, something like that, and have one of the best records in baseball. Uh, with that all being said, are the Brewers World Series contenders? That's a, a pretty big question to ask here in July, but I think it's one that you kind of have to examine and say, should the Brewers go and put the chips in and, and are they legitimate contenders or are they just a team that's been beating up on the weaker competition that they faced in June? Yeah, I think that's a good question. I think first things first to look at is, are the Brewers a, a pennant contender? Looking at the National League, of course, you've got the, the powerhouse NL West, Dodgers and Padres. You knew they were going to be great teams going into the year, but then you also throw the Giants who have significantly outperformed expectations and they're actually sitting atop the NL West. They may be able to hold on to that in uh, the All-Star break. They've got about a half-game lead right now. Um, but all three of those teams are, are certainly um, expected to make the playoffs. They all will. And, of course, on the paper, Dodgers and Padres, the top two teams in the National League. My question, I, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll answer your question with another question. Do you see the Brewers as a, a, a top five team in the National League because you've got the Padres and the Dodgers who I don't know if there's too much debate on whether the, the Brewers are better than them. I, 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 they're not at this point. Uh, but are the Brewers, you know, a top five team in the National League when you talk about the Giants, the Mets, and some of those other contenders in the NL? I do think they are. I, like, I, I think the Dodgers and the Padres are a better team than the Brewers. You know, on paper, maybe the Mets are a better team. But, I, like, I watch the Mets play, and they just – they have the talent there – it doesn't seem like they've really put everything together. And maybe they are that team that puts it all together in the second half, runs off a big uh, big win streak and ends up uh, you know, winning 90 games. And they are in a division that's kind of been just mediocre all, all year, the NL East. Brewers actually are playing the Mets this, this week, facing DeGrom on Tuesday. So we'll see how that goes. But I do think the Brewers are a top five team uh, in, the, in the National League. You look at Fangraphs even, has an 86% chance that the Brewers win the division on there, has them projected for 91 wins at this point, and they have the Brewers with a 5% chance of winning the World Series. Not super high, but 5% is still 1 in 20. That's nothing to scoff at. That's a, a pretty, pretty high odds considering where the Brewers have been before. And I think when you look at how the Brewers might fare in the postseason, uh, the pitching, the starting pitching, That'll play in the postseason. Uh, you, when you've got Woodruff, Peralta, and Burns running out for three games, especially you look at, you look at the division series, uh, who would the Brewers play? I don't know who the Brewers would play. Probably whoever wins the NL East. But when you've got to face Woodruff, Peralta, Burns, games one, two, three, uh, if they get past that, you maybe Hauser and then back to Woodruff again. Or even in a seven-game series, you face those three guys twice each at, with maybe an Adrian Hauser thrown in there. It makes it really difficult on an opposing team to win the series. I think that when you have three starting pitchers of that caliber, uh, we're looking at a team that nobody wants to face in the postseason, especially with the way the Brewers are able to manufacture runs. I think that's kind of an underrated component. When you look at postseason baseball, often the scores are, you know, two to one, three, two, and the games are decided by that, sack bunt that gets the runner over and the ground ball that scores him or the sack fly or that takes the extra base and then is able to score on a single. Uh, those are kind of old school principles of baseball, but the Brewers have done that really well this year. And that's usually what the postseason comes down to. It's not really being able to outslug the opponent. It's not about being able to uh, put up the, uh, the three run homer 
Um, and, and maybe it will be occasionally, but it's manufacturing those runs and being able to scratch across three, maybe four runs a game. And then Woodruff going out there and shoving for six innings, one run, and being able to turn it over to that bullpen. I think the Brewers have that perfect playoff roster. Yeah, I, I agree. The Brewers roster has been built for the playoffs for years, of course, with that strong bullpen. The one worry that I would have would, would be where the offense is and if we would see the offense uh, disappear like we have, you know, at times this year. Of course, last year, um, offense wasn't very strong, but the Brewers are a different team this year. But still, the Brewers offense has struggled at times this year, and that would be my main concern if we see the Brewers offense all of a sudden start to scuffle in the playoffs when they're seeing DeGrom um, or Bueller, Kershaw, those, those strong arms in the National League. Um, that would be a question mark that I would have and would be a reason why I wouldn't mind the Brewers necessarily adding another bigger bat um, in the lineup because, like you said, I, I, I'm confident in Woodruff, Birds, and Peralta. The Brewers are certainly going to compete, and if the Brewers can score four, three, four runs a game in the playoffs, they're going to be just fine, and they could see themselves you know, vying for an NL pennant. Yeah, I think that would be huge. Uh, I, I think also the NL – the Dodgers haven't really impressed me as much as I would have thought. Uh, even you look at the Dodgers compared to the Brewers, and do the Dodgers have a deeper roster? Yes. Uh, but now, even with the question mark added of, of Trevor Bauer, what will happen for him the rest of the season in light of the assault allegations? Uh, the Dodgers have Kershaw and Bueller, who are excellent. But after that, Dustin May also out for the year. Uh, their their rotation's not super strong. I mean, it, it's it's pretty good, but it's not super strong. The offense is not what it has been in the past. And the Padres, they have an excellent roster as well, but I don't feel like it's something that the Brewers would be unable to uh, to overcome, especially if we get a NL West Eric Lauer, who seems like he. I swear, yes, have an ERA of like one against NL West opponents. Uh, so he's been he's yeah. been very good there. But like even the Brewers, I think they what they went. Six and one against the Padres this year. They won three out of four against the Dodgers when they played them at home. So the Brewers have fared well against those very good teams, even earlier in the year before they had Adames, before the Brewers were really firing on all cylinders like they are now and have kind of shown that they're maybe a better ball club than we, we, we had initially thought. I think they have proved that they are a better ball club than I think almost anybody thought. I mean, for fan graphs, just now project them to 91 wins. Nobody was going out and, and guessing that Brewers were going to win over 90 games this year. And maybe they will, maybe they won't. But, the you know, regardless, they're up, you know, 15 games above 500. Um, even if they sit at 15 games above 500 into the All-Star break, a lot of things have to go wrong for the Brewers not to win the division, especially in a division that doesn't have another, you know, star team and a whole bunch of teams kind of just sitting right around 500 in the Reds, Cubs, and Cardinals. So I do think the Brewers have positioned themselves very well in the division. Yes, they've played weaker competition, and yes, they've taken advantage of it. So to me, I think that's, yes, we're all aware they had a weaker schedule, and they're also seven games up in the Central, um, closing in on the All-Star break and in a really good spot. So before we wrap up, just wanted to note a couple of things. Uh, in the Brewers organization, top prospect Garrett Mitchell, who had been red hot at, at high A Wisconsin Timber Rattlers, uh, was now promoted to double A Biloxi. So positioning himself to maybe even already uh, at some point make his debut next year. We recently saw Ethan Small get called up to triple uh, A Nashville as well, had a pretty successful first start. 
So the Brewers' top prospects making some noise. Of course, Aaron Ashby's start didn't go the way he wanted. I don't think that's indicative of Ashby's talent. Just ended up uh, kind of a, a bad day for him. Defense didn't really help. Strike zone was not the greatest. And then he was a little bit wild. Combine all those things and it makes for a bad start. But I don't think there's really anything to be concerned about that. I think Ashby will be back up pretty soon and will be a, a pretty important member of the bullpen down the stretch. We talked about Cousins. We talked about Sanchez. Aaron Ashby, another guy who could step in and be a, a big arm for the Brewers. Kind of think about maybe, maybe, don't want to put too high of expectations on him, but think about 2017 Josh Hader, who was a big factor in the bullpen before he became the Josh Hader we know him as now. Joe Gray Jr., another guy, he was uh, lighting up the Carolina League, or, or now known as what single-A Southeast or whatever the weird names they came up for him were. Um, he had been very good, and he actually was promoted to take Mitchell's spot at High A Wisconsin, another prospect for the Brewers. I think a third-round pick a couple of years ago out of a, a high school in Hawaii, and he's been making some noise in the, in the minor leagues, won uh, League Player of the Week a couple times. He's been very good. He's another guy to look out for, uh, maybe a little bit farther from the big leagues. I think, though, look at Mitchell. Uh, where would he fit in next year? I don't know. I, I was thinking about this earlier. Obviously, El Garcia has, a, I think, a vesting option where if he hits a certain threshold of plate appearances this year, he will automatically have his $10 million vesting option uh, exercised for next year. Uh, I don't know if I necessarily want that. Garcia's been very good leading the team in RBIs. Uh, he's on pace for almost 100 RBIs. He's been a pretty st a stable member of the lineup. But when you've got Kane still under contract next year at $16 million, you've got JBJ, who almost for sure will opt back in for his contract. Uh, you still have those four outfielders, doesn't really leave room for Mitchell, and doesn't leave much room for the payroll, um, especially with increases likely coming to guys like Narvaez, uh, Brandon Woodruff, Josh Hader. But don't want to get too much into all the salaries and things. We can worry about that in the offseason after the Brewers uh, hopefully win the World Series. Another another big first in, in Major League Baseball we've been talking about a lot with Shohei Otani, who, by the way, just hit another home run yesterday. 31 home runs on pace for 60 right now. Incredible pace considering he is also on pace for 170 strikeouts as a pitcher, uh, doing things we've never seen before. And he was selected as a DH in the All-Star game to start. And then the, the players actually selected him to be an All-Star as a pitcher. First player ever to be selected from both sides of the ball. Pretty impressive honor for a guy that we've never seen a guy like Shohei Otani before. And he's been very fun to watch. Looking ahead at the next week, Brewers got three in New York against the Mets. Like I said, they faced DeGrom on Tuesday. Uh, the long-anticipated return from the injured list of Brett Anderson. I know we got the, the marquee matchup there, DeGrom against Brett Anderson. Kind of disappointed we couldn't get a, a DeGrom Woodruff or DeGrom Peralta or Burns or someone like that. Uh, really anyone but Brett Anderson. <laughs> um, nothing against him. And, and he's run some nice starts, so hopefully he's able to uh, put up one of those. Mets are not known for uh, for the run support for DeGrom. I think Mets are still below 500 in DeGrom starts since 2018. So Brewers hopefully have a, a pretty good shot of, of winning against the best pitcher in baseball in New York. And then they return home for four against Cincinnati. Hopefully they can take care of the divisional opponent and go to the break, maybe with a, a nine or 10 game divisional lead. Red sitting in second place right now, seven games behind the Brewers. So hopefully the Brewers are able to take care of a, a Cincinnati team that is not bad, but also not great. Uh, Brewers at home for that last that last series before the All-Star break. And then 
Uh, next week, we got the Home Run Derby Monday, All-Star Game Tuesday. Futures game also is on Sunday. Brewers will have uh, that one representative. Ethan Small will be representing the Brewers in the Futures game. So on Sunday, I think it's on, on MLB Network, maybe ESPN, not 100% sure. Uh, but be sure to tune in for that. Always interesting to see the top prospects. Got some loaded rosters for the prospects this year. So I'm excited to see that um, and see what the uh, what what some of the guys can do as far as the prospects go and Ethan Small specifically. And then before we finish today's episode, I just want to revisit the trivia question. How many times prior to the Brewers' 11-game win streak have the Brewers won 11 or more straight games in the regular season? So that is excluding the win streak that just took place over the past two weeks. What is your guess on this one? Uh, do you think that you know the answer? Uh, what do you think it is, Peter? Obviously, we know 1987 Brewers with more than an 11-game win streak. Um, but not sure I can think of another regular season run with the Brewers winning 11 or more. So I'm just going to stick to one on this one. That is correct. Just the one win streak, 1987. Uh, one of the more iconic streaks or, or, or more iconic years, I guess, even in Brewers history, ran a 13-game win streak. Also later ran a 12-game losing streak. Juan Nieves' no-hitter was part of that win streak. Uh, also the, the big Dale Swaim home run and Rob Deere home run on, on Easter Sunday to, to push that to 12 games. And then uh, Paul Molitor's 39-game hit streak happened later in the year. So that was a pretty eventful year. That was the only time the Brewers have won 11 or more straight games in the regular season before this past week. Uh, Brewers also ran a 12-game win streak in 2018, but I think seven or eight of those were in the regular season, including the Cubs game 163. And then they swept the Rockies in the NLDS, won the first game in the NLCS against the Dodgers. So couple of those wins coming in the postseason doesn't technically count according to the official major league records, but Brewers having a very impressive 11 game win streak, even if it was against some of those weaker teams. Yeah. 11 wins is 11 wins and certainly Brewers fans have to be happy with that. And as we close out here today, you actually sent me a, a tweet from John Morosi earlier in the week um, after the Brewers had won 10 in a row. He, had, he tweeted, since 2018, only the Dodgers have a better record than Milwaukee among all NL teams. Um, pretty crazy stat, and uh, kind of just want to end it on that. And any final thoughts that you have? That's impressive. I think it speaks to the the success of David Stearns and his, his regime uh, with the Brewers. I think it's been very impressive to see, and it's a great time to be a Brewer fan. We talked about how great of a time it is to be a Bucks fan as well and just a fan of Wisconsin sports, but a Brewers fan specifically, this is – one of the most captivating teams that I can remember. I think this team might even be a more interesting and more fun team to watch than even the, the 2018 team that fell just one game short of, of making it to that World Series. So I think, especially over the next couple weeks, uh, seeing what direction the Brewers go in after this huge run they've gone on, uh, after the All-Star break, a little bit of a tougher schedule. Uh, how will the Brewers be able to fare as far as that goes? It will be interesting. I'm really exciting, excited to uh, to see what the what the Brewers' future holds as far as the second half goes, and excited to cover it. Excited to see the All Star Game as well with some of the Brewers All Stars. A lot to look forward to on the Brewers' front. It's a great time to be a Brewers fan. Go Brewers! Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow Podcast. We would greatly appreciate if you would rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. We'd also love if you would be willing to support our podcast financially. And you can find the link to do that down below in the episode notes through the Anchor app. 
Be sure to check out our blog at bleedingblueandyellow.wordpress.com where you can find great articles and content there and interact with us at Brewers Podcast on Twitter or Instagram. Thanks for listening and see you next week.